Good evening, everyone. Um, I literally forgot what I was going to say. That's just how my day has been going. I, I mean, that is craziness. Anyways, um, <clears throat> I got nothing. I don't even know. I don't even know what that is. I, uh, anyways, um. If you're not seeing the chat room, you might want to refresh your screen if you're listening live. And if you're on the podcast, refreshing your screen a whole bunch of times isn't going to bring the chat room up. I'm sorry. Um, I bring that up because somebody sent me an email letting me know that, that they never see the chat room when they listen to the podcast. And come to find out they weren't listening to the podcast live. And that's why they never saw the chat room. I, I don't know. Just let you guys know. Anyways, um, <clears throat> I just, I wonder when in my podcast I didn't make that clear, and maybe I didn't, and I'm just crazy. Anyways, um, tonight's question, tonight's topic is about reshaping a canon event in your, um, fan fiction, and apparently, um, nobody is listening to me because you guys can't get the um, show to um, launch. And how terrible is that? Which can explain why my chat room is empty as well. Of course, Julie's on the phone listening, and so is Lady Holder. And, um,. And but my chat room is still empty, so uh, <clears throat> that's really sad <laughs> and weird because I've never like I guess the past year uh, I average between thirty and I don't know fifty or sixty people in the chat room at any given time d- d- during a live podcast, so it's kind of weird to see it empty. Um, <clears throat> Okay, now it's loaded, apparently. Um, no chat, though. Okay, so there's probably not going to be a chat room. I can try relaunching the chat room. Maybe that will help. I'll do that. Um, and those of you who are listening on the podcast are thinking, why is this bitch talking about this? Does this not apply to me? It's not doing me any favors. I'm listening on my jog or on the train or it's supposed to be entertaining my cat. And you're not entertaining my cat. Sorry, that happens. Of course, I can't now I can't get the chat room to load either, so... It might not just be you guys. It could be all of us. Um, Um, Fuck it. Let's go over to my... For those of you who are um, listening and do have the ability to to hear me, um, just go over to my website chat room, and we'll chat there. uh, And um, hopefully... If I can get that to launch, yeah, just go over to my chat room and um, on the site, so we'll have the ability to chat. Because I don't know what's happening on, on Blog Talk. Um, <clears throat> um. 
because that's not loading at all. Anyways, tonight's topic is about reshaping canon events and um, for your writing. And this is super important in, in fan fiction so that you don't end up rewriting canon, which is like the single biggest reason I will nope out of a fic. I mean, bar none. It'll, even bad formatting, which is my a huge pet peeve for me, won't make me leave your fic faster than you retelling me the entire story of the um, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. If I want to read Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, I have it in a beautiful hardcover edition that I've read once. I also have it digital, and that's normally how I read it. But if I wanted a genuine, amazing reading experience, I just pull out my hardcover and get a cup of coffee. I don't need to read your version of it. I really don't. Um, now I've got nothing. Nothing is happening. It's just terrible. I can't log into my own chat room. Shit don't like me. Anyways. <clears throat> My life is so hard over here. Okay, so I'm going to put Lady Holder on the phone so I can actually get on um, a topic. And for those of you who are Those of you who can call in, um, I will uh, post a phone number. <clears throat> yeah, I finally got into my own chat room. It's it's going to be one of those days. And I blame Lady Holder's husband. And that's because he broke the internet at her house, and apparently it's a virus, and it's filtering out to the rest of us. Uh, just FYI, it's just, it's, he's the breaker of all things. I'm telling him you, you gave him that name. He broke well, all our shit. I can barely hear you though, fix your mic. I'm in the car. Why are you in the car? Sorry. Because, okay, the husband has been unemployed for a while. He just got a job. We had a celebratory dinner, and I didn't realize it had run late. My parents paid for it. Hey, I'll take it. <laughs> I understand free food. When will you be home? About 10 minutes, Max. Okay, I'm going to put you back on hold because I can barely hear you. And when you get home, I'm so sorry. ping me, and I'll put yeah, you back I'll, on the air. Aye, aye. I'll have my headset. Okay. okay. This is the craziness I have to put up with. See this craziness I got to put up with? Ugh. Anyways, my chat room is not working. The radio show is not working. Lady Holder got free food. I didn't get free food. 
Her husband is the breaker of all things, including my radio show, apparently. I'm going to rename this show Things to Bitch About. Because apparently that's all I'm going to be able to do this evening is bitch about how my shit's not working. spread everywhere. Her husband is the breaker of important things and it has spread everywhere. So tonight's topic, again, we're talking about, um, you know, when when Lady Holder gets home from her free food, we're going to talk about uh, uh, reshaping canon events and actually one of um, the first stories I ever read by Lady Holder, um, she did this very well when she reshaped the um, how John, what happened when John and Rodney met in um, the unlikely and the unwilling in um, her Sentinel Guide universe, uh, where John and Rodney meet in the chair room. Now in canon they meet there as well, but she shifted and changed it changed it when she made them Sentinel and Guide. And so that change rippled out throughout the entire relationship and the expedition as far as the show goes and, and how that worked. And um, when you do that, when you when you turn a single event, you, you have to follow through. And she followed through in a fantastic way. Um, but sometimes I see uh, writers change an event, but they don't follow through. And so when you don't follow through, it, it makes the changes that you made to that event. Um, I don't want to say they're disingenuous, but they become unnecessary. So if you're not going to follow through with the change that you're making, why make the change at all? So that's so that's the question that, that, that comes up, and how do you deal with that, and how to you know, handle <clears throat> changes and make sure that as you're moving through your uh, your story that you are staying true to the changes that you made when you began. Now, reshaping a canon event is, a, uh, is an excellent way to develop uh, world-building skills and um, scene-building skills for original work. Because for me... How I start an idea is I take my characters and I put them down in a place, whether they're original or from from fandom, and I ask myself, what if? What if this happens? What if that happens? And you've seen me do that on on different plot drifts. Um, Take that what if and turn it. And doing this in fan fiction gives you a safety net. And after you establish the skill, it's really easy to move that skill It's really easy to move that skill into original fiction, and I'm having the weirdest experience. Uh, a lot of people on Blog Talk don't um, really do much with their chat room while they're um, on the air, and I find myself kind of crippled here, you know, without having the, the big chat room with everybody in there chatting. Um, so people came over to my personal chat room on my, web, on my website to uh, to talk, so that's cool. Uh, but it's just really weird. I feel like I've um, 
but people assure me that they're listening to me on the phone, so that part is still working. So, um, but if you're not listening on the phone, it wouldn't do me any damn good to give you the um, the phone number at all. It wouldn't be wouldn't do me a damn bit of good. <clears throat> Anyways, <clears throat> uh, once you've established a skill in fandom and you've gotten really comfortable reshaping a single can event to your own benefit, it's easy to translate this particular skill into writing original work because once you've reshaped an event, you can create an event. Because you're going to build on the event that you make in the uh, chat room. <laughs> you're going to build on the event that, in the story that you've uh, reshaped to do uh, <laughs> oh goodness it's a good thing I never said this show is particularly professional um, <clears throat> to uh, to work your way through um, other events in your story as you move forward so uh, lear- uh, learning to do that is really good and when Lady Holder finally gets here we're going to take some events and reshape them um not not a full plotting experience, but we're just going to give you some examples of of how you can turn can events in, in different canons and how that will work. Um, so hopefully uh, that will be um, beneficial to you as a writer. Um, and uh, it will also, I think, help you as a reader because it'll – what I've what I've learned over the couple last couple of years since I've been doing this show is that um, the more readers learn about the writing process, the better able they are to give um, to appreciate the um, the work that goes into um, um, to writing a very uh, large, complicated piece of of, of work. Um, earlier this evening, I was talking about the multiple points of view in Sentinels of Atlantis with Jilly, and we were talking about. Um, uh, how you can do that in episode format in, in ways that you can't do it in um, in novels and novellas where I can explore 10, 15, 20 different POVs in an episode series that would be, it would be ridiculous in a novel to have that many POVs. But when you're working in an episode format, you can move around to different character perspectives to give your story a broader um, view you can give your reader a bigger picture of the universe that you're creating. And and you see this a lot in TV shows when you see them, when you see scenes that the main characters are not in and you're in someone else's point of view, whether it be um, a crime taking place or um, you're just seeing something from a different point of view. And it kind of broadens your perspective of the, of the universe um, as far as like the, um, the show goes and what you can do with outside POVs, especially in an episode format is to broaden your um, environment. (laughs) And uh, one of the ways you can also broaden your, um, um, your storyscape as a writer is to change an event that readers are very familiar with but when you do that, you have to do that in a way that makes that makes that the reader will believe, so they will follow you down that path that you're creating. 
Anyway, Lady Holder tells me she's back on her headset now, so we're going to get on here. So I had chicken marsala this evening. Let <laughs> tell you what the free food I had was. I'm jealous. What was that? <laughs> Sorry about that. I've got a headset. So hopefully this will actually last. It's really annoying. Anywho. Goddamn son of a bitch thing. <laughs> Sorry about the cruising. It's a good thing my show's ready to are. Yeah, it's a good thing. Not to behind Anyhow. her and beep all her curse words out in the podcast. <laughs> like I'm one to talk. Uh, yeah. But what I was saying was I've got um, a the, the the food I had, which was the chicken marsala, which was good stuff. And um, I was also thinking of the um. The actual stuff I've done, you mentioned the unlikely and the unwilling and the change I did in it. Well, I also did it real recently in the um, Stargate, uh, um, the movie one I'm I'm redoing, and also um, Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Mm -hmm. And those are two very recent ones that I did that are on um, Left Trade. And they have a very different opening than um, the actual shows or movie in the, in the case of one. So, you know, it's a different different setup there. Hmm. So, you know, just something to think about. And, and you okay, dude? As far as, go ahead. Did you fall down and go boom? <laughs> I swear to God, I don't know what's going on. I mean, I'm about ready to go buy a new headset, and that, that tells you how irritated I am at these things. <sighs> Anywho, so you said you wanted to go through something and discuss um, basically changes and how they ripple. Well, I thought it would be good in a continuation of what Jillian and I were doing. Um, mm-hmm. Um, earlier in the week, um, if we right. talked about uh, different ways um, you can shift to can event um, and kind of you know these three shows together really um, work through that whole process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, works for me. And just using examples would be a good way to um, demonstrate that skill without going into a lot of um, detail on one particular, you know, doing Future. a variety of events. <clears throat> okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so lead on the duck. What are you doing over there? Feeding the cats. <laughs> Remember, I have those things. I happen to like them to be quiet. Oh, I fed my dogs while you were getting free food. God, everybody got fed to me. <laughs> anyway. You got a anyway. go out. So, um,. One of the things that we've been doing when we do plot drifts is that we change the circumstances of the character from the outset. And one of the reasons I've been doing that, where it's been, you know, Harry Potter is an ancient or um, that one in particular is a a really good example of the 
the um, movement towards what we're going to be doing in November, which is putting your character down in a whole new world. Now, that particular plot drift doesn't fit that criteria, but it's getting you on that path. And um, mm-hmm. that's and kind sorry, of my goal as we've been going through the, the what? I just heard Aladdin. A whole new it's world? A whole new yes. world. I'm not singing for you. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to. Okay, fine. <clears throat> Where was I? I forgot what I was saying. It's a whole new world. The point of November's challenge is to put your character down in a different situation than what they were born in in canon. Um, And um, so these, all these plot drifts and what Jillian and I did earlier in the week is, um, is uh, hopefully giving you guys some insight into how to accomplish that, where Mm -hmm. these changes have to, to ripple out. Right. Great. Now, Jilly is singing um, whole, uh, <laughs> A Whole New World to Me in um, Facebook chat. In chat? Yeah. That's not yeah. my fault. Uh, I blame you. Actually, I blame you both because that's actually her challenge idea. For those of you who are going to be frustrated in November, <laughs> you can blame Jilly, not me, because um, that was her idea. <laughs> She even made the art for it. You might have noticed. She's going to set up a complaint box. It's going to be a circular file that looks like a trash can. Um, <clears throat> anyways, so um, while this is not a genuine plot drift, we're going to take some canon events and kind of shift them around a little bit. And so you guys with uh so you guys will uh kind of get what I mean by um um reshaping a canon event. And Lady okay. Holder did this in the unlikely and the unwilling when John and Rodney meet in the chair room. Um that's mm-hmm. specifically one of the moments where she took a canon event that took place in canon and turned it a hundred and eighty degrees and slapped sitting on guide in the middle of it and you're like, Whoa, mm-hmm. hot sex <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. I will not lie. That was a pretty hot sex. You know, and so that's like, and all through it, you see this change, this Sentinel Guide change, shifting through the Mm -hmm. events of the first season of of Stargate. So while some things kind of stayed the same, other things were drastically different. Yeah. I can think of two right off the top of my head. So that's because, you know, um, at the time, Lady Holder was uh, knee-deep in her, abil- her, in, in her belief that, that, that Canon was, was amazing. No, Canon was shit. <laughs> she, she, this is the woman who would send me videos. Whenever I, I went off Canon, she would send okay. me videos. Excuse me. But, but she's better you now. Still- okay. The video I sent you, the video I embedded in the beta, let's be honest, was where you decided that Atlantis was 10,000 years old, and I went, point of order, she's a couple million. Okay, so here's the thing. I didn't actually look up how how old Atlantis was because I didn't care. (laughs) Lady Holder cared a lot. (laughs) Anyways, so that's the point. Um, 
Now, that, well, that's a serious question, though. If you had the unlikely and the unwilling to rewrite, is there anything about it that you would change as far as can events goes that you kept? Um, I don't know if I would have um, complied quite so close to uh, the first season when I did that last um that last story that I did that was a, it was a collection. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I changed a lot of things in there. Um, the first thing, aside from the meeting uh, of Rodney and, and John in the, uh, the chair room, one of the bigger things I changed pretty much once I got to Atlantis was Rodney went with John when they went to go uh, find Shepard. Or not sure, uh, find, um, what's his side? Sumner. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that was a very big difference right there because it did change how things worked. Okay. Um, one of the other ones was the energy creature. Okay. Um, I don't think I had, and, and I'd have to double check, but I don't think I had Rodney getting stuck in that damn uh, shield. All right, and then the energy creature coming out. There's no reason to. Can you shift your headset around a little bit because your mic is going in and out? Oh, God damn it. <laughs> you know, try and find a new web message. How's that? Is that any better? Not really, but I'm not sure if it's Blog Talk or you, because Blog Talk's being crazy right now. Well, check with... You can see the chat room. I can't because, you know, I've got the breaker of all things. Well, my chat room is... um, Blog Talk chat... The Blog Talk chat room is broken. Um, People can't listen to the live podcast. Uh, the, only, the only listeners we got are the ones that are on the phone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of weird. Um, <clears throat> not that I am dissing you guys that are on the phone with me. I super appreciate every one of you. It's just oh, really yeah. weird not having an active chat room to be you know, live on the air. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just craziness. And I, People are in um, my um, small chat room, but I'm, I'm, I'm not sure any of them are actually listening to the show. Hmm. Anyways, it's just... It's um bizarre. Just the two of us chatting for for all intents and purposes, other than you know um, uh, this whole new world out there. <laughs> oh, Jeep's listening on the phone. Jeep is listening Woo-hoo! on the phone. Hi, Jeep. Uh, okay. Um, but um, so it's uh, so okay. <laughs> Now we're going to pick a canon event. Um, sure. To, um, I can't even edit my episode right now. I was going to put your um, link in for uh, the unlikely and the unwilling, but I can't even edit. Um, and usually I can live edit wow. my um, description, so I can't even do that. Um, Damn. I know, right? Uh, it's really annoying. They, they broke pretty hard. I'm going to eventually retile this episode that that time I bitched for two hours because blog talk didn't work. 
Yes, go for it. <laughs> Anyways, okay, so you pick a can of it, and I'll reshape it, and then I'll pick one for you. Um, what fandom? Doesn't matter. Well, you know, you know my fandoms. I know your fandoms. You know my fandoms. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go play in one you barely play in. NCIS. And I made a terrible face over here. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to pick anything with Diva, so you're you're safe from her. Okay. Well, you um, could. I would just kill her. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I know. I kill. I kill Ari too. But no. Um, meat puzzle. Meat puzzle. Do you remember that episode? Wasn't it a bunch of episodes? I think it, was, it it covered over a couple, but basically it was a couple 55-gallon drums full of people. And okay. Is this Kate or after Kate? I believe it's with Kate. Okay. That was a fuck long time ago. Um, <clears throat> so what or about I the meat Well, I just remember it because it's ghoulish, but let's... Let's skip that one. How about the the introductory, the the, the episode where we actually meet what becomes um, the core cast of NCIS, um, where they're on Air Force One, and they meet Kate. How would you change that? How would I change the meeting? Um... I'm sorry, I watched the episode once. I'm, I'm not going to be able to do that. <laughs> I mean, NCIS is, what, 11 seasons in? I watched that episode 13. 10 years ago. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. it's, been, <laughs> it's been a long time since you have right. something more more common. Uh, Julie is oh. suggesting SWAC. Which one's that? Is, that? is that the one with the plague? Oh, that's sealed with the kiss. Yes, that's the plague. I like SWAC. Okay. Um... That's the one where Tony gets the plague. Correct. Okay. <clears throat> so the event is is that Tony opens an envelope that has sealed with a kiss on it. Um, mm-hmm. It's actually going to have a kiss on it. And he, get, he gets... Uh, Mnemonic plague. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there are a couple of different ways you could take this. If you are a Gibbs Tony shipper, this could be the um, the uh, the push that Gibbs needs to kind of seal the deal. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're not a Tony Gibbs shipper, this could be the push that makes Tony leave NCIS. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> if I recall correctly, you're kind of on the fence about it. I am. It it just depends on my mood and what episode I might have watched mm-hmm. because sometimes Gibbs is is great and sometimes he's a real bastard. Um, this is mm-hmm. also just a few episodes off the um, the assassination of Kate and the arrival right. of Ziva. Um, right. Julie's saying one episode. Um, mm-hmm. So Tony recovers from the plague. He comes back. Um, Kate is killed by Ari. Yeah, it's a headshot. Yeah, I'm not going to forget the headshot. Uh, that's actually when I almost that I 
pretty much rage quit. In- yeah. Like, every once in a while when someone made me. Um, anyways, okay, so... If you alter the events of SWAC, you alter the events of the episode that takes place after it, which is called Twilight. Twilight. Jilly is in the um, in our our squad chat room, letting us um, filling me in. Jilly is the bomb for being our resource here. Thank you, Jilly. And. but so uh um, so it depends on how much you change swack because if tony leaves after swack that opens up a position on gibbs team for ziva and if now it has always been my ugly belief and i really do believe this genuinely that ziva let Ari kill kate before she took him out so there would be room for her. That is likely. On the team. Now, Jilly says that if to- if Tony is gone after Swack, Kate and McGee might die in a car bomb. This is true. They might. It's true. NCISNs, mm-hmm. Rocks Fall. <laughs> yeah. So when you look at um, the event, Swack, any way you move it or shift it, it's kind of pivotal um, in this particular um, uh, scheme because Tony's placement in canon um, decides a whole bunch of events. Mm-hmm. I guess you could say it's one of the, the fixed points um, in time, if you will, for it. Yeah. Now, Julie also speculates in um, the chat room that if um, Ziva had already been on the team, if she'd replaced Tony on the team, then Aerie might not have planted the bomb. Because uh, he wouldn't want to kill his sister. You're kidding, right? She, well, she had no problems killing him. That doesn't mean that he would want to kill her. Um, I'm sorry, but I kind of think he would have killed her. Except he didn't. And we never see Ari make an effort in that range. Ziva is a great deal like her father, but that that doesn't mean that Ari is. In fact, the fact that Ari went so far off the reservation indicates that he's nothing like Ziva or her father, their father. Mm-hmm. Okay. And honestly, if he was genuinely a threat to Ziva, would her father have sent her to to be his handler? Ah, but he'd gone off the reservation and hidden it. Still, I don't know. I don't know that I would consider Ari a threat to Ziva. Um, the fact is, is that I don't know genuinely how far off the reservation Ari actually was. Was he ordered to kill Kate? So that there'd be room for Ziva on the team and then Ziva took him out so no one would know? For her well, and her father? That's a sacrifice play from hell. 
Well, he didn't have to know that he was going to end up biting it, too. Point. That's just really cold-blooded, too. Well, that's kind of on par for the um, the David family. They're not exactly mm-hmm. um, fuzzy puppies over there. No, I wouldn't have called them fuzzy puppies. And um, considering that Eli had no problems sacrificing his only remaining child um, later on, mm-hmm. and we know that Eli ordered Ziva to kill her own brother. Yep. So there's no telling what Ziva, I mean, what Eli told Ari to do. You know, that's a that's a level of, of I, I want to say sociopathic, but it's it's in, it's cold blooded that is quite honestly revolting. But he's already there. I don't know. This is not within Eli's um, um. It's not out of his out of his ballywack, if you will. Um, no, no. I mean, that is totally within his rifle house or or whatever. I don't even remember what it's called. But wheelhouse. He's wheelhouse. That's the one. He is totally <laughs> able to do that. Hey, you know. <laughs> they wouldn't come to me either, and then it popped into my head like an epiphany. Anyways, so if we take Tony out of the picture one way or the other, um, things shift. Team, Gib- team Gibbs might skip that whole case, which could put mm-hmm. another team at risk of dying. I but if Team Gibbs isn't on the case and Ari was there for Gibbs, he might not set the bomb because the case wouldn't have gotten Gibbs' attention. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want right. to overplay his hand. Which is disgusting. Um. <clears throat> But if he is conspiring with Ziva and his father to get Ziva in NCIS, with Tony out of the picture, he wouldn't have to kill anybody. For those of you who are on Skype, you might be able to call in that way. I'm not sure what the Skype call-in is for guests. I used to know it, and then they changed it, and now I don't know it. Um... Um, not that they can fucking hear me. <laughs> I don't know why yeah, I, I know. just said that. Because you have you 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 have faith. <laughs> yeah. Um. I think one of the other things that that uh, I didn't quite realize until we started talking about it exactly how pivotal that particular episode is. Because a lot of things ripple out from that episode in years later. You know, it's, um, it made a lot of differences. You know, um. brought a lot of problems um, with it too. But, 
Okay. Your turn. Um, okay. Your fandoms. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you walk through something that you've um I think you've kind of avoided in, in fan fiction. Um <clears throat> Trinity. Oh I Stargate. touched on that I touched on that really briefly. Right. And that was in one and that was the um the one where John can basically feel every other ATA character um uh carrier around him. And it's I believe that the title of that particular fic is Ashes. And it's really short. But we're uh, not talking about that fic. We're talking about that event. No, so the event in Canon, for those of you who have not um who weren't immediately familiar with that when I when I said it, um in Stargate Atlantis in season two. Um uh, it's called so- Trinity. Um, they find a planet called Duranda, and in that particular episode, Rodney lets science get the best of him, and um, it basically fractures his relationship with John and Elizabeth. So, mm-hmm. what would you do differently with Trinity? If I was still doing the... Um the actual pay attention to a uh, uh, canon routine um, with the actual canon of events happening and just taking care of the aftermath. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'd actually bring out somebody to, to do a bit of an inquiry and have things gone over because there were a lot of events that happened around that that were also suspect. The Hoff virus, for one. Okay, um, that mess was just a clusterfuck. But I think I'd also try and hammer it home that science is risk, and what they were playing with was science. What ten thousand years beyond their best, you know, which might have been two or three hundred years beyond current. You know, it's a risk. You know, um, and that. Elizabeth has absolutely no fucking ground to stand on when it comes to the moral high ground. Okay. Um, She wanted to negotiate with the race. I had chicken tonight. I didn't negotiate with it. Tasted good, though. Um, As far as if I was going to go into the actual show and change things, I don't know if I would have if I remember correctly because it's been a while since I've seen this one um, they got egged on by um, captain of the data list um, Caldwell. Yes, Caldwell. So they got egged on by Caldwell. Uh, and he, he basically pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed because he wanted 
the weapon. And the only thing I'm wondering is, is was he snaked at the time? Because if he was snaked, you know, having somebody, you know, um, make that connection would be one way to to derail the process because the snake wants this. Let's take a, a step back and look over what the snake is seeing. Because the institutional hatred that the SGC and then carried over onto Atlantis that they have for snakes, they'll take a second and third look at everything if it comes from, from the mouth of a, of a gold. True, true enough. Okay. But I don't think they ever explicitly say when Caldwell when. became a host. No, but the he put the bomb on Atlantis somewhere in season two. So there's no there's no saying that in Trinity when he's egging everything on. Now Jilly is saying the that the that the snake had been found before Trinity. Oh well, shit, Marie. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. So. Well, let me let me ask you a question to see if I can't spurn sure. you. Okay. What would happen if John said no? If he said no to, you know, um, Trust me, and and he told Rodney no. Um, the Rodney we both write would probably stop um, because he relies on he relies on John a lot. You're fighting okay. again. Did you move your mic? Yeah, I stood up. What the fuck? <laughs> God, I'm getting it. So, okay. Is that still better? <laughs> yeah. You've been ordered to sit still. <laughs> I apparently have. Okay. Whoops. Um... Okay, so I think I think Rodney would have you know how he keeps going, going, going and then, you know, somebody stops and it's like their forward momentum gets arrested and they kind of sway back and forth for a moment Mm -hmm. I think he would have done that Okay, and may have tried to um, to talk John into it, you know. But I, if John had to firm, he probably would have stopped. Then what would have happened? Then I think all hell would have broken loose. Right, because Caldwell wants it. 
Elizabeth wants mm-hmm. a reason to say yes. But John mm-hmm. puts a stop on Rodney and says, hey, think this through. Mm-hmm. You know all this. What don't you know? Right. And it would have been very difficult um, it would have been a very difficult uh, breakdown of what happens when they do things. Hang on just a quick sec. I'm going to put you on hold or mute for just a moment. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Anyways, I think that uh, (laughs) I think that when you um, I'm going to tell her you're going to be in so much trouble, Jilly. Apparently Trinity was before the snaking, so probably Caldwell was already a gold at that point. He could very well have been. You know, that's just all sorts of funny and shit. <laughs> Jilly says it's seven episodes before the snake episode. <laughs> wow. She's sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she did a she did a min- she thought you were talking about the shrine. <laughs> okay, so how's that? Is that any better? Yeah. What'd you do? Okay. Um, the husband gave me his headset. Oh. Thank you, breaker of all the important things. <laughs> oh, by the way, babe, you have a new name. <laughs> yes. And pray tell. Breaker of all the important things. <laughs> breaker of all the important things. Uh-huh. I think you have uh, cried loud. And, and long about the uh, lack of internet? Actually, I commented about the lack of internet, but apparently my lack of internet spread out across the internet and broke other things. Great! <laughs> my radio I'm show's broken, my chat room is broken. <laughs> <laughs> got all the bad luck. Jilly's brain is kind of broken. <laughs> she confused Trinity with the shrine. <laughs> Yeah, it's not the shrine. Totally broken. Yeah, she says she's totally (laughs) broken over there. Anyways, so Caldwell could Mm -hmm. have, in theory, had the snake. Yes. Which would have been incredibly convenient because, hey, it's a, it's, it's something that's there. I hate to say it's a canon event that you can use, um, and you know, it's, it's. Honestly, you got a ready-made bad guy. You don't have to invent anything. You just have to move him forward. If Caldwell is a snake at this point, and John talks Rodney out of the experiment, and it's not a matter of, of saying, Rodney, I don't trust you. It's, Rodney, do you understand what you're risking? Mm-hmm. You know what this thing is going to yeah. do when you turn it on. Um, right. It's more like what a break. side effects of something? Yeah. Hey, so, let's, hit, let's hit pause for a second. What happens if something goes wrong? Which wouldn't have been a bad or um, invalid question to ask. 
So if if Caldwell is already gold, when this happens, when John puts himself in the way of an experiment that the snake wants, he wants this weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens? Um, I would say there'd be a, a semi-subtle attempted assassination. What? 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 And then suddenly, um, Trinity and well, the whole Duranda thing is going to be a non-issue for Rodney because then it becomes okay. Which one of you assholes tried to kill John? <laughs> yes, my Colonel. <laughs> yes, this is this is my Colonel. He is mine. All, fluffy hair and all, and I will kill every motherfucker who tries to kill him. And he did his level best in several episodes. Well, here's the thing about the guy old and Caldwell. He is very subtle, which is fascinating because for the most part, they aren't. I mean, these are the dudes no. that show up in gold. <laughs> Literally. Classic, dripping in gold. Classic. And, yes. And this dude that snaked uh, Caldwell, he's He's, he's running around in things. fatigues. Yeah, he's like yeah, he's all, in, in a flight suit. I mean, he's maybe his underwear is gold for all I know, but I, I yeah. didn't get very sweet. Now I imagine that actor in, like, gold lame underwear. <laughs> Actually, my, my thought was given. Oh, no, I totally went there. He's what? He's. <laughs> Julie just put me in the corner. <laughs> I'm worse. Let me get this one out. So mine was, given how constipated Caldwell looked a couple times, it would not surprise me if there was a solid gold butt plug. <laughs> no. <laughs> you went too far. <laughs> you got to be in the corner. I'm waiting for the... <laughs> Our luck will be on opposite corners. <laughs> too late. Jeep reports that you're <sighs> much easier to understand now with the, with the new mic. Ah. Okay. Thank you so much, Sheep. Okay. Um, hmm. So, yes, you know, can't just count on me to cross lines. Okay. Making um, John take a step back from the, from the situation um, mm-hmm. and have a more adult approach <laughs> has the potential to change not just what happens with Duranda, but when mm-hmm. Caldwell is discovered. Um, has he had time to plant a bomb? It right. changes a whole bunch of events. Mm-hmm. Would it potentially change Michael? When did Michael happen? Well, Michael is related to the Hoff situation. Yeah, I know. Um, so if you change the situation with um, with Duranda... Um, and you know, I, I still, I was going to say, I still think that if, if we had Caldwell being discovered, being, um, being snaked and there's a, a hold on the potential of Duranda, somebody's going to come out to do a review. Why did it get, why did it almost get that far? What caused, what caused them to go full tilt boogie without a review? 
The thing is, is that doesn't actually make sense because um, the only reason you would get uh, that kind of interference from the from the IOA would be if Duranda actually happens. I that would have made the sense. IOA. You thinking about I the gold itself? Well, you know, um, I was more thinking somebody like Carter or, um, you know, even even uh, Jack coming out and, hey, kids, what's up? You know, what pushed it so far? And, and you know, double-checking on um, Caldwell, one of his colonels, you know, and somebody who's in charge of a very important piece of uh, machinery for the Air Force and the SGC, and he's got a, um, experience being snaked against his will. Well, here's okay. what I would say about that. Nobody on Atlantis has been snaked. So none of them would have True. the ability to detect Caldwell. But what I do think that it should have triggered was a serious audit of the SGC itself because Carter mm-hmm. has been snaked. Why didn't she notice that Caldwell was snaked? Tilk I don't think she should was, have noticed. Yeah. I don't think they were around. That's the problem. You know, I think um Carter at that time was at S was um I think Carter might have been at Area 51. Now, because of this, and because Jack has been snaked, so he would be able to know, I think this is the event that could get, should have gotten O'Neill out of um, homeworld security and back into the command of the SGC. Because they need somebody in command who knows Mm -hmm. the gold when they see them. Yes. And at that point, and Carter didn't on, have the rank. No, and Landry was a was a putz. <laughs> Just fun. You know. Well, he didn't have the ability um, to find a race without an MRI. No, it was a gold without an MRI. Race are kind of no, uh, obvious. They're big. They're they, they're bipedal. Blue. Well, and green. I mean. But no, see the thing is, is that even an MRI, a goal, a goal can hide from an MRI. From an MRI, we know that from the episode, um, the first season episode, where um, Kowalski, they did an operation to pull the gold out. Thought they succeeded, mm-hmm. but they didn't because the gold hid. So the the MRI isn't foolproof. What would be foolproof no. is someone sitting in the in the big chair that's been snaked and can sense them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one of the hey, things. Julie that says I think during the Trinity timeline, Carter is back at the SGC. Ah, okay. So how did Caldwell get past Carter? It's not that hard to avoid somebody. Even at the well, it would be difficult for Caldwell to avoid his commanding officer, which would be which would have been Landry, um, mm-hmm. and Landry doesn't have the ability to sense them, which makes yep. his, um, um, his placement at the SGC ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Especially with O'Neill gone, right? Which. I get why RDA wanted to leave, but damn. Plot holes. Big ass plot holes. 
And if Carter and Tilk are the only ones left basically in the SGC who can determine if somebody's a gold or not just by being in the room with them, why aren't they regularly in the room with the command officers? Um, well, Tilk, I think, is partially because, hey, there's the old knee-jerk, he's an alien. Uh, not after nine years. Tilk saves the whole fucking yeah. planet a couple of times. It's a huge plot hole. There's no it's reason for Carter product. not to be included in a number of meetings that would ensure that she was in the presence of every high-ranking officer in the SGC on a regular basis. Well, you know, this is where I also wonder why the hell – I mean, they've come across something similar so many times. Why didn't they come up with a um, a handheld MRI, you know, something that – you know, you're sitting there and you're looking at it and you've got it pointed at your the officer and you can tell if there's a passenger in there because, you know, most of the snakes, they'll, I mean, if you've got them walking through medicals, you're going to get scanned for snakes. That's an announcement right there in and of itself. Let me figure out how to hide. You know, and they stay still and they look like part of, you know, your, your brain and, and your central nervous system. If you're sitting in a meeting and you know you, you you're playing with your PDA and you're watching the, the thing wiggle, you know that's kind of an, uh, a way to get around it. Well, this is the only way that for it not to be a plot hole is that there's a conspirator in medical. Yeah, that's a distinct possibility too. But if the events, but if John interferes with the Duranda experiment. Um, the goal overplays his hand trying to get this super weapon, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, what about Elizabeth? Elizabeth wanted it. She wanted a reason to to, to, to say yes. And John gave mm-hmm. her that reason. And then when Rodney failed, she threw all the blame on Rodney. She lost her shit. Yep. In the most unprofessional way possible. Right. And I think that's part of the reason why I want somebody there to, to swing that two-by-four to smack her. But again, that only works if the experiment still happens. Now, the thing is, is just having John say no and make Rodney think about the consequences of what he's about to do does not mean that Duranda's, the Duranda experiment doesn't happen. Well, what could pot- potentially happen is Instead of Rodney throwing it, worst case, it might be Raddick. Um, or no, Raddick didn't want to do it. Raddick said no. They, it, that they, follows, need, they needed to do more experimentation. He follows but, orders. He's not going to be. I, I, I think even then, if Rodney is at this point where he's, he's saying no, too, and Raddick is saying no, she's going to have to pick a scientist who is eager to prove Rodney and Raddick wrong. And who is on oh, Atlantis? Well, Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh is on. Yeah. He, he he's either on the Daedalus or he's on the on the city because he is in the episode with the bomb. So he's got to be around there somewhere mm-hmm. at some point. So Raddick Raddick is against it completely against it. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure Elizabeth would pick him because. Oh, she might ask. You know. 
And if he tells her in ever so sweet check to, you know, go take a long uh, walk it's, of it's a very not short happening. Year. I'm not going to participate in, um, mm-hmm. it's not ready. We're not ready. Um, and Caldwell is pushing her. And she does this in the middle of, say, um, the main lab, and and Kavanaugh goes, I'll do it. I, I, I know I can make this work. Follow it through. That would be... There's no one there. John isn't there to pull Kavanaugh back to get mm-hmm. them out. Right. Duranda blows and up, takes half a solar system, is the Daedalus there? Because John was there to yeah. break on? Yeah. Which would mean they'd lose the crew and the ship. Yeah. And an Asgard. Yep. Oh, yeah, bad, bad juju. What happens when you kill an Asgard? Little gray men come to visit. And <laughs> and bad attitudes, you know. And the guy without the nice flowing hair and cape comes over and. <laughs> I'm and just saying that they might be a a little upset, um, perturbed at the perturbed. loss of, of one of their own because there's so few of them left. And this is not far from when the Asgard decide that they're going to self destruct. So maybe they wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, gotten all bit out of shape about it but it might have changed um, I don't think that it might have made Ryan. them rethink their plan their legacy yeah yeah possibility which would have been bad in the long run um it would have caused a lot of, of scrutiny. I mean, a lot of scrutiny. Because when did the IOA come visit? I don't remember when they came to visit. So let's say that Kavanaugh blows up Duranda and the okay. Daedalus and the whole crew was lost. What happens to Elizabeth? Yep. Oh, she's canned. That's, you know, I can't see her keeping her command, if you will, after that. I just can't. Well, she told, she would definitely try to blame Rodney. If Rodney had gone, this wouldn't have happened. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. And... Yeah, I can see I can see that attempt happening and um and Raddick saying, um, you're delusional. You know. Yeah, I can see that one happening. Yeah. Joey says, but in canon it blew and she didn't get in trouble, though it might be different if the chief scientist and the military commander lodged complaints. 
Well, in Canon, but also in Canon, the Daedalus wasn't destroyed. Yeah, and that's the thing I'm I'm looking at. Um, the ship made it through. Okay. And only one person died. Ship. Yep. Okay. If the ship got um, the ship got destroyed. I can't see her making it through um, with her with her career intact. If it blows up the solar system, Jilly, um, I think it would have. It the the. The only reason they got out in canon is because John was there to say, "Stop! We're leaving. We're going. We're going," and he forced Rodney to stop. Mm-hmm. They transported out, yep. and they left, and it was very close. Mm-hmm. They barely made it out of the solar system before it was destroyed. And if there's no one there to put the brakes on Kavanaugh, who's arrogant already, as arrogant as McKay. With less reason. <laughs> well. And he is yeah. eager to prove that he is smarter than McKay, so he's not going to stop on his own. He's not going to admit there's a problem until the mm-hmm. last instant, and then it'll be too late. Duranda blows, the ship blows, the solar system, or at least two-thirds of the solar system, goes with it. Mm-hmm. And... Now Weir's command decision that she should not have been in a position to make as a civilian Mm -hmm. has cost the lives of over 100 people. I don't know how many people are actually starting on the data list. I'm going to say 100. Mm -hmm. Um, A multi-billion dollar spacecraft. Yep. And she did it against the advice of her chief scientist and military commander. Mm Mm-hmm. And they'll never be able that whole snake thing. They don't know that go that that Caldwell has been snaked because of the stupid process. Um, nobody's looking for them, so she can't even blame the Gaul because she doesn't know he's there. True. And they'll never know now. Nope. Huh. And that's um. And if he hasn't had the chance to plant the bomb yet, there's nothing ticking down. <laughs> well, it is a new way to get rid of a snake, but it's a little drastic. Overkill. <laughs> Let's go for massive overkill. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit drastic. Julie says, "Is it wrong that she only cares about her? How do you say his name? Um, her Hermioid." Hermioid. Yeah, Hermioid. Right, now yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear hemorrhoid for the rest of my life. Thank you. <laughs> Poor hemorrhoid. <laughs> oh, he needs cream. Uh-huh. 
Hermiod. That's less Hermiod, so I appreciate that, Hermiod. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that one just to avoid that whole harm um harm um, thing. Um <laughs> Hermiod. So, yeah, I you know have everybody who would die on the data list, he's the one you know what? Maybe he has an escape pod. Maybe he realized what was going pod. on and they were listening to him, he's like, Well fuck mm-hmm. this shit. Yep. <laughs> hey Ken says that Hermiod has a escape pod. When the human shit yep. gets too real, he's leaving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can take that. <laughs> okay, so next next canon event that we can sit there and warp. I hate to say it, Jilly. Uh, Jilly says, "What if Hermiad went down with Kavanaugh and went? No, we're leaving." I can honestly say I think Kavanaugh would have looked at him and gone, "Fuck you! I know what I'm doing." And, and they got old. Probably isn't going to listen to the. Asgard either. No. And physically, Hermiod isn't going to be able to do anything. And if they don't beam Mm -hmm. him back up, how is he going to do anything on the ship unless he has the ability to beam back up himself? Or, um... Yeah, so I think Hermiod would definitely be making for his escape pod. Okay, Colonel Caldwell, can you beam me back up, please? (laughs) I have to go to the bathroom, excuse me. (laughs) It's been real. (laughs) <laughs> three weeks oh, later Jilly's... three weeks later the pod enters orbit and Atlantis and Roddy's like huh <laughs> there he is we wonder where you were okay Jilly says yeah. she's going to prompt me oh no <laughs> or me I, I, think, I think, I'm, I think I'm, I'm about to pay for my evil <laughs> oh well that time <clears throat> writes her aunt about the death threats regarding the third floor after the sorting. This is Harry Potter, for those of you who live Mm -hmm. under a rock. (laughs) Um, Okay. Susan Bones' aunt, Amelia, is the director of law enforcement for the Department of Magical Law Enforcement um, for the British Ministry of Magic. Um, she is not without power um, and influence. And influence. Um, at this point, um, Fudge is pretty much in Dumbledore's pocket. But we already know that Fudge sees Dumbledore as a threat. Mm hmm. And even though we don't see her, Umbridge is also moving around the ministry at this point. She couldn't have got where she is in um, in fourth and fifth year if she wasn't already pretty high up in the management mm-hmm. of the British Ministry of Magic. She could already be his undersecretary. She's just never brought up. So what right. happens when Susan Bones sends her aunt a letter telling her that Dumbledore says if she goes to the third floor, she's going to die a painful death? 
Amelia Bones is going to come to Hogwarts. There's no way she doesn't. If she's any kind of responsible parent, and we assume she is, um, she's going to come to Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. And if she's any kind of law enforcement officer, and she would have to be to be the director of the magical law enforcement, she's taking her ass to Hogwarts, and she's going to knock out Dumbledore. What the fuck is on the third floor? Mm-hmm. Why is my niece petrified? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or does she even knock on his door? What if she just goes to the third floor, starts looking around, finds Fluffy? Mm. She finds the Fluffy. <laughs> Jilly says, hello, Fluffy. I'm Amelia. This is a stunner. <laughs> the stunner. <laughs> you know, honestly, I can see her opening the door, looking in it. Nope. And closing the door. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Dumbledore. What the actual fuck Dumbledore? Now, see, this actually has um, the potential for terrible things because if Dumbledore loses control of Hogwarts at this point, what we know Uh already is that Fudge is likely to put Umbridge in Hogwarts given the least provocation. True. Oh, this is a point. Well, you know, here's another thing, though. Um, for all the fact that Lucius um, is a rat bastard in canon, and actually I think that's being polite to rat bastards, um, at that point he didn't have the active need to work against um, Dumbledore. All right. He well, that's you were assuming that he doesn't know that Quirrell is um, being possessed. Point. Snake doesn't know for a while, but he finds out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think realistically... Voldemort has already reached out to Lucius. Okay. And the reason the diary shows up second year is that was Riddle's plan B. Okay. If I don't get the stone by the end of the first year and Lucius, your job is to make sure that my diary gets into the school. So that's my plan B. So, otherwise, why didn't the diary show up first year if it was just a plan for Lucius to be a jackass? I think he had to be told. I mean, because he had to have been told when he was given the diary, guard this with your life. This is – and so he's not just going to toss this diary in Ginny Weasley's bucket on a whim. He had to be told to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. He was just going to give that kid a cursed object. It could have been anything, but he gave her a Horcrux, which means even if he didn't know it was a Horcrux, and I think he probably did know, um, how could he not? How could he keep a Horcrux for that many years and not know what it is? I don't know. I just don't believe, I mean, he knew what it was. He he knew what he was giving. He also knew at that point that he was giving a piece of his Lord's soul to a first year. Would he have done that without being told to? As much as they fear Voldemort, even as a wraith, 
I don't think so. Now, what happens when Dumbledore is removed from Hogwarts, even briefly, during first year? Mm-hmm. Quirrell immediately goes for the stone. Right. He tries on Halloween through distractions, so we know that the stone is probably already down there. Mm-hmm. So if Amelia Bones demands that Dumbledore come to the ministry to explain himself, maybe she doesn't show up. Maybe she says, you know what, you need to come over here and talk to me about this, because what the hell are you doing on the third floor? Mm-hmm. And Dumbledore leaves. That's really early, and Harry doesn't have anything. Nobody has a clue but the professors, right? And none of them mm-hmm. suspect that Coral is a problem. This is day two of the school year, maybe day three, depending on how um, how slow that owl was. Um, but he also doesn't know how to get past Fluffy. Because he hasn't traded... Hey. He hasn't drank with Hagrid and traded the, um, for the, the, um, the dragon egg to get the information on how to make Fluffy sleep. Okay, so maybe... Apparently, um, magic doesn't work against the Cerberus. So that stunner wouldn't actually do anything to him. You had to put the Cerberus to sleep to get past him. So maybe, maybe Fluffy had a snack. Maybe Fluffy did Are have started? a snack. The, the race gets thrown out of Quirrell. Harry Potter has a really great first year. Yeah. He makes the Quidditch Rowan team. Ma- There's no Dark Lord. He doesn't get any headaches. <laughs> I Coral think got he's happy at that point. Quirrell gets eaten by Fluffy. Actually, I think at that point it's Quirrell disappears. What the fuck? Okay. Yeah. Then, you know, Flamel gets his stone back. Fudge has no beef with Harry at this point. You're absolutely right. He's still trying to court Harry's um, approval and um, to get more popularity for himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Umbridge. Ugh. Uh, anyway, so Coral mm. disappears. The stone stays safe. Goes back to Flamel, for good or bad. Mm-hmm. Right. And Dumbledore's sitting there thinking, what the fuck happened to my plan? Right. It's all because Susan Bones wrote her aunt a letter. Well, you also have, um, where are we? Uh, uh, year three, which I believe is Goblet of Fire, right? No. no, that's Prisoner of Azkaban. Your Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm thinking somewhere in there we meet up with Rita. Now, what's to say somebody doesn't squish that little bitch? Or beetle, <laughs> as the case may be. I did read yeah. a graphic once where um, it's either Hermione... Or it's a it's a Harry Hermione fic, and I'm I'm pretty sure it's crack. And they're out in the garden, um, during the Yule Ball because they went together. Mm-hmm. And like the be- like a beetle lands on um, Hermione's shoulder, and Harry snatches it off and stomps it. Mhm. And they continue having their conversation like nothing happened. 
and only the reader knows that he that he just basically murdered Rita Rita because <laughs> they never knew she was a a bug. Right. <laughs> so so Harry murders her, not even knowing that it's actually um, Rita. And actually, yeah. And you know, again, I think that's one of those where the person disappears, and given the absolute crap that um, you know. Uh, you could do a whole series of stories where people who thwart or try to be Harry's enemy starting his first year just disappear. Yeah, that would be interesting. Quarrel, Jenny, Rita, Fudge. I think Fudge would be uh, year three. (laughs) Snape, Snape, Snape. Oh, God, Snape, Snape, Snape. Oh, oh, what if instead of Gilderoy, they get Snape to go down in the chamber with them? Oh, and he's an arrogant sucker, and he just looks in there. Or worse, they get Harry and him get all the way into the chamber, right? Ron gets stuck behind the, um, whatever. Ron gets stuck. Ron doesn't get to go. And they get in there. And Snape is so busy arguing with Harry about what's happening and berating him for being, you know, just, or maybe Snape follows him down there. Anyway, he's berating Harry, blah, 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 blah. You know that scene in, um, oh, God. There was that shark movie that uh, Samuel L. Jackson was in, and he was standing in front of the water talking about and making his big heroic speech about <laughs> survival. And the snake, not the snake, the, the shark hops up out of the water and eats him. Can you just imagine Snape in mid-rant at Harry Potter, and that basilisk comes out of the dark and just snatches him, and then goes away? And Harry's like, shit, (laughs) there goes another one. How am I going to explain this? God damn it. (laughs) You know, you're just sitting there, God damn it. <laughs> I'm just saying. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I can to- I can totally see Harry just sitting there going, Professor, Professor, snake, 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 snake. And, you know, Snape is going, Stop, stop mangling my name, Mr. Potter. I'm. You know, professors ever snake, and it's like no snake. <laughs> Too late. Crunch. And oh my god, have you seen her teeth? Oh yeah, she's got she's got some teeth on there. She's vicious looking. Um, mm-hmm. in the movie, I haven't. I mean, I watched this on YouTube. Um, I watched a lot of Harry Potter scenes on YouTube because I haven't watched the movies. You'll get indigestion. That poor snake. <laughs> yep. She's been eating spiders for decades, and then she gets then she gets a dirty old nasty wizard, a very greasy nasty old <laughs> wizard. Yes. Oh. Yes. <sighs> Poor thing. Yeah. 
Hopefully it doesn't barf. <laughs> Her last meal was definitely deep fried. <laughs> but no, for serious. Okay, so let's say it's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm to go back to the, to the event shift. If Susan writes her aunt, is she the only kid who does? Because I don't think so. But uh, even if she is the only one who does, Amelia is going to, if she's any kind of parent or law enforcement officer, she's going to come out there. She's going to investigate. Okay. And I don't know how he didn't get a howler from Molly Weasley. Because There's even if Ron or the twins said nothing about the threat, you know Percy did. Well, there's nothing that says that he didn't because it could have been delivered to his office. True. All right. But that's not really Molly's okay. style, is it? No, but it is his style to have all of his um, his male, you know, especially um, male that, you know, such as a, a, a howler, uh, directed to his office so that way his um, reputation as the saintly leader of the light is never tarnished in front of the kids. At least Molly would expect that. So why wouldn't she send it to one of her kids? Oh, you mean like when she um, when she she yelled at Ron and then at the very end the howler turned and looked at somebody else and said something actually really sweet and lovely and motherly and then just ripped yes. apart. Yes. So what if she sends one of those to Percy and he opens it and she says, Percy, I want to thank you very much for sending me um, that letter. I really appreciated knowing um, what was going on at Hogwarts. And then it turns on Dumbledore. <laughs> I was like, Dumbledore, how dare you have, what's on the fucking, I'm coming over here. There better be nothing on the third floor when I get there. Uh-huh. I do agree if she'd known there was a Cerberus in Hogwarts, that, that Cerberus would not have remained in Hogwarts. Um, honestly, the fact that the Cerberus is in Hogwarts at all makes um, Minerva and Phileas and Severus and even Quirrell um, – and Poppy, because Poppy, Poppy ends up fixing one of Snape's wounds from the dog. Mm-hmm. So she has to know that the dog is there. That makes every one of them seriously unfit to keep their jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and that's the Cerberus is a man-eater. You don't have a man-eater mm-hmm. in a school full of children. Especially because you were really smart and drew attention to the fact that you're not supposed to go up on the third floor. How many people, how many of those kids did it the first night? Uh, I imagine by the time Ron, Hermione, and um, Harry, and Neville saw the three-headed dog that most of Gryffindor already had. And most of the upperclassmen certainly had. Um, I'm also thinking that, you know, the the locking charm was ridiculously easy. 
I'm sorry, you, you used a simple unlock on the damn thing and it and it popped open? Mm-hmm. You know? No. You know? I know it's Fanon that they have much more complex um, locking spells, but it makes absolutely no goddamn sense, you know, pardon for the, the, the words, but it makes no sense to have something like that and not lock the bloody thing up because, you know, Lock it up with whatever spell you want. Make sure to teach Harry that particular lock spell, and that's how you guarantee that it's just Harry who's going to go into it, not every well, time that Harry and James. That the entire thing was set up for Harry as a test. It was set up for Harry as a test. <laughs> you know, it couldn't have been more set up for that boy if they had, you know, unless they'd laid out a red carpet and said, "Harry, this way." This way to danger, you know. Ridiculousness. It, you know, the thing is, is um, that's actually really just over obvious plotting, um, and it's assignment of motivations to Dumbledore that aren't supported in the narrative. Uh, okay. You can see. Fine, it. that's another one to play with. You, I mean, you can see that and say, yes, that's um, that's so terrible, but it's not actually what the writer intended. True. But, you know, it's it's also one of those of you look at it with adult eyes, and, yeah, there's there's problems. If you're looking at it as an 11-year-old, hey, that's that's really cool, man. It's a three-headed <laughs> dog. Look at that thing. So that is cool. so awesome. <laughs> yes. So awesome. Can you believe... I want to see it. You know? So, yeah, I get that one. Um, pick another fandom. Let's do another one. Got it a little bit. Um, Tony Stark finds Captain America frozen before S.H.I.E.L.D. does. Okay. Well, um, that's going to... That's going to cause some interesting hiccups in the, in the, the narrative right there. Um... I really, truly doubt that Tony would do the fake hospital room with the game that that um, Steve was at playing on the radio. Um, I don't think he'd do that. Now, he might do a very barren room with nothing in it other than Steve in the bed and, you know, letting him wake up. I don't think he would lie to Steve. Oh no, I don't think he would either. But I, I, what I think he would try and do was to be letting him wake up and freak out in a in an environment where he's not going to hurt anything, either himself 
or frankly him, or uh, Tony. You know, um, Steve is really damn strong. Mm-hmm. Okay, he goes toe to toe with the Iron Man suit and Thor. Okay. Um, the man is is ridiculously super. Uh, I also think, as much as as Tony probably looks at it as um, absolute hoo ha some days, I think Captain America would have been in counseling because Pepper would have looked at him and gone counseling. Let us go <laughs> and retraining and something something to teach him life skills so that way he actually could function, you know, instead of half ass half assing it the way Shield did it. And it would keep the creepiness of Colson going, I watched you sleeping from happening. <laughs> yeah. You know, and as earnest and as sweet and as lovable as Coulson is in that particular scene, it's so fucking creepy. You know, and you can see poor Steve going, the fuck, dude. You know, (laughs) it's just creepy. Um, I think, I think the, the, that would have come out the other side of being picked up by Tony and allowed to wake up and gone through everything, he would probably be in a lot more balanced. And we might not have had the clusterfuck that we had with the latest movie. Because there wouldn't have already been a divide. Right. You know, I don't think we would have had the line of billionaire playboy um, philanthropist or whatever the hell it was. You know, I don't think we would have had that line. Now, I'm not too sure if we would have had Banner, though. You know, at least not right away. I do think that Coulson probably would have done his level best to get in and start talking to Captain America, to Steve, um, as soon as Tony started letting him out into public. And then we might still have had the the thing of... um, we hacked into Stark's, um, you know, uh, security feeds, and I got to watch you sleeping. <laughs> no. <clears throat> oh, come on. Yeah. So, um, I think the animosity would have been a lot less. Uh, Jilly's right about that. Um, we probably still have 
um, the thing with Loki's um, scepter and Hawkeye, I'm willing to bet that um, Na- uh, Natasha would not have been in Russia. I think she would have been planted pretty firmly in in Stark as as your very obvious minder. You know, you've got Captain America, our our it national hero here. Found. It's, it's when they found Steve because um, it's, you Natasha outs her and Right. Yeah. So Stark wouldn't keep her after she'd already been revealed as S.H.I.E.L.D. So if he finds him in the Palladium Scare where he's um, coming up with his own little stable isotope thing to fix himself? If Natasha doesn't reveal herself as S.H.I.E.L.D. and give him the antidote, Tony dies. Right. So if it happens after that, but before... um, Before Captain America, the first Avenger. She might be in um, New York, but she wouldn't be working for Stark. If it happens right after that, and she's getting um, debriefed, I can see Colson bringing her in as his security, if you will, his obvious security, because she'll disconcert them. You know, this is, this is snake in the grass. Hmm. Things to play with. Um, Okay. I'm going to go for one of your fandoms. Uh, since you are doing uh, Bilbo as Bella, um, Bella picks up a a very nice, firm, and and um, sturdy piece of something, and whacks Thorn across the back of the head as he starts being a complete and utter jackass in Erebor. Now what? Dwalin throws her in a prison cell. Probably. That's realistic. I mean, she's attacked the king. He is, you know, before before Erebor, he's, um, but after Erebor, he is king under the mountain. You attack the king under the mountain, you go to jail, you might die. If it was mm-hmm. Bilbo, he'd be dead. They might hesitate to kill Bella being female but she would be immediately trussed up and locked up somewhere it would be it would be seen as the ultimate betrayal even a bigger betrayal than her stealing that stupid rock mm-hmm. then they all go out and they die Yeah, and Bella is still stuck that. in that room, locked up, because that kind of response isn't going to get her what she needs, and what she needs is Thorin's attention away from the gold. 
hitting him in the back of the head okay. is a Bilbo move. It's not a Bella move. Um, okay. So what's Bella going to do? Walk up to him and lay a lip lock on him? A blowjob. <laughs> BJs are good. <laughs> okay, yeah, maybe I'm guessing. Okay, okay. But no, I think that um, I think that she that uh, she has to um, if she realizes his insanity, and she also realizes that uh, even stealing the stupid stone isn't going to solve the problem of his insanity. <clears throat> but she also has to recognize that Gandalf is there when 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 um when Thorne almost kills Bilbo. He, he he's there. Yeah. If Gandalf sees no way of freeing Thorne from this madness, what hope do any of the others have? I don't think Thorin is actually free of that madness until he lay dying. Okay. So, what, it was his death that freed him? That's depressing. It was very depressing, but he does need something um, bigger than gold to focus on, and his own death would be that. Well, I think actually what might have snapped him out of it actually was the death of the boys. Maybe. But even then, it took something that drastic. Uh, So a physical assault isn't going to help. And I don't know that um, she could distract him long term with sex. Uh, It certainly didn't with any of his ancestors who did manage to father children Mm -hmm. and still be genuinely obsessed, gold mad. Um, mm-hmm. If you work under the assumption that the Arkenstone itself is responsible for their gold madness, um, that it's cursed, best way to cure the Duran line of that madness is to destroy that stone. And the only way to really destroy that stone. is to feed it to the dragon. Well, there's that, or the, I'm wondering if the Master Forges that they used, I mean, they were, they were probably still lit. Well, they were lit because they, they, they pour molten metal on the dragon at one point. Right. So I'm just thinking if the, the Master Forges are still lit, um, tossing the, the Arkenstone in one of them, I mean, they've got to be incredibly hot. But this is a betrayal she would have to keep to herself for the rest of her life. She could never, ever, ever admit to the destruction of the Arkenstone. Uh-huh.
Otherwise, that's, I guess, treason, even if, if he, even if he's not technically her king. Um, mm-hmm. It's treason, and uh, she would it would not go well. That would be much worse than um, stealing it, <laughs> giving it to the elves. Yeah. At least it still exists. But if you assume that the Arkansas is responsible for um, their insanity... Uh huh. There's. She says she uses the Hobbit magic to plant the Arkenstone and makes it a big old tree. (laughs) I read a really cute, um, cute, super cute, uh, uh, crack fic where Bilbo plants the Arkenstone to make more. He makes like a hundred billion of them, and and in pretty colors. If I remember right, he, he right, and they the end up giving um, Sandriel um, some pretty white ones, and he thinks he's all special. But everybody has an Arkenstone now. Yeah, they're using them as lamps. Bilbo <laughs> plants everything. Right. He plants the One Ring. He plants the Arkenstone. I mean, he just plants all kinds of shit and makes like a billion duplicates. It's it's funny as hell. Yeah. It's, it's just really funny. Um, You were doing something, you, you, if I remember right, you had a thing that you were going to do with the Arkenstone in one of your hobbits. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that um, solution. I had Bilbo brain um, thorn and talk everybody around. Because at, it was really early in the gold madness before everybody else was caught. It's like the infection stopped with Thorn and didn't spread to everybody else. Um, in one of my stories, the Arkenstone is actually um, a um, the heart of the mountain, and um, in removing it, they. Uh, they basically cursed the whole mountain. Mm-hmm. And then in order to restore um, Erebor to its uh, proper place, they have to put the Heartstone back. I don't see a problem with that. I mean, you just, you know, admittedly, you're going to go way the hell down into the roots of Erebor. Um Dig a little niche into the side of the and mountain. When I had applauded that when Bella find when Bella finds the Arkenstone, she is horrified by what they've done. She is absolutely, utterly horrified that they have taken the heart of the mountain from its place, because um, it's it's a it's a sacrilege that what they've done, and she is just. Devastated by their by their blasphemy of 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 just what they it, she's beyond reconciling what has happened to the heartstone of the mountain and she tells them that it's their fault the dragon came and the dragon it's it's their fault that their leaders have gone mad because they've desecrated the mountain and taken her heart. 
Mm-hmm. And she's livid. And, um, <laughs> and it's just, it's, uh, it's, um, I forget which one I put it in. Um, it's mm-hmm. not beats on her feet. Uh, and it's not, um, is it the queen? The barter, um, I haven't shared the bar queen with anybody but you. Yeah. Well. Okay. <laughs> I haven't said anything else. Um, Sorry. It's not spirit born. Uh, no, because that one has a whole different kettle of fish going. And it's not Trinity. So I guess it must be the bartered queen, because she's not she's not been to Erebor yet. It's the only one I could think of. Where, yeah, it hadn't happened yet. In the Barter Queen, Bella is um, bartered by the leader of the Shire to Thorin, who is living in the Blue Mountains as the lord of of that settlement. Um, and mm-hmm. he actually killed Smog as a young man. And so he is known as Thorin Dragonslayer. And he lives in the mountains there, and he barters uh, for food with the Shire. And the Shire gives him Bella uh, against her will. Just him at the Alliance. Um, and because she's refused to marry the um, Thane's son, and in response, he has punished her by giving her to a barbarian, as far as he's concerned. Um and so Bella goes to um, the Blue Mountains, and um, she's uh, not having a good week. No, not having a good week. But then she realizes that she's not marrying a lord, a barbarian, poor lord. She's marrying the future king of Erebor, and um, he's pretty, so she's kind of okay with it. She um, she gets more okay with it as um, as the days go by um, because he's pretty. And um, oh, he's very pretty. And damn, you know, that, she's the getting her choice. Beards. She's she's getting her choices um, listened to for the first time, and, and she's not being dismissed because she's a woman. And um, she um, she finds equality in um, the, the Blue Mountains. And then, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, Thor uh, is going to call for Thor for, um, for Thorin to take um, Moria. Mm-hmm. And what will happen be, there? Is this going to be a garden trick, or is this going to be a traditional have babies? A, we'll, we'll travel. It's a, um, it's a it's a it's a traditional baby fic because part of the reason that she was bartered from the Shire is the Shire believes that she's barren. Okay. Because they're superstitious, and they're and and her mother only had one living child, and they right, believe that curse passed to. Bella, and they consider her barren, and therefore she's worthless to them. Yeah. Anyway, and Thorne's reaction to it is less than principle. <laughs> yeah, he's um not really okay with that, dudes. Um, yeah. But uh, it, yeah, so it's like um when you change a character's gender. That is the biggest 
shift you can make in a canon event mm-hmm. because, or any canon at all, because men and women approach um, situations and um, in a very different way. Mm-hmm. It's it's very interesting to to think about this because you know what when you when you think okay, it's kind of obvious. I am a girl. I write a lot of guys. And what is reasonably logical for me to do in a situation, not so much for the guys. And so, you know, you have to take that step back and actually contemplate what would happen, you know, from this other alternate point of view. It does make a difference. It's, it makes a huge difference because here's the difference between a female McKay and a male McKay. A male McKay gets offered a blowjob. A male McKay takes a blowjob. A female McKay gets offered some head. Mm-hmm. It greatly depends on what kind of woman she is. <laughs> is because there's some women who use sex as a tool. Mm-hmm. How does she, how would a female McKay use sex? Would she avoid it to avoid being um, labeled as Dana's one of those weak. women who get away or, or or get ahead through sex? Would she consider it a weakness? Would she even trust that someone like John would find her attractive? Um, I don't think she would. I don't think she would trust. I don't think she'd use it to get ahead. Um, I can't really see her, her, her brain is the, the thing that she thinks is her best thing, even as, you know, Rodney thinks his brain is his best thing, okay? Okay, we're down yes, to like 30 tries. seconds. Oh, shit. Okay, well, later for, <laughs> anyway, later for that. Later for that. We'll see you guys uh, next time, and hopefully it will be a lot more um, like normal Structured. and won't be so weird. <laughs> Structured, yeah, and there won't be so many... <laughs> And maybe her breaker of all things will fix our shit before then. Anyways, I'll talk to you guys (laughs) later. Have a good week. Bye-bye.